oh, I have 20 grand in my bank account. Why don't I start a business? What, can, what, what, what could go wrong? Well, what could go wrong would be that in six months, you burn out the 20 fucking grand. And that a, month, uh, a year and a half later, you burn out yourself. Hello and welcome to the Confessions of a B2B Marketer podcast. And today we have an absolutely massive episode. We're joined by Louis Grenier, who is the founder of Everyone Hates Marketers and also the lead marketing strategist at Hotjar. Now, I bring Louis on. Interestingly, I was on his podcast about three years ago, but I am bringing him on because he's done a couple of super interesting things. And you'll find out more about those in the interview. One of the topics we discuss during the chat is monetization. So after the interview, I'm going to share an interesting, innovative monetization strategy we have been testing at SaaS Marketer. I'll share with you what that was and the results. Now, before we jump into the interview, I have to give a shout out to one of our latest reviews on Apple. This is from Lindsay Kerwin, who is the vice president at Silversmith Capital Partners. She says, Tom asked great questions that lead to insightful responses from guests, useful content, and one of the few high-quality marketing tech-focused podcasts. Thank you very much, Lindsay. If anybody also wants a shout-out on the show, simply go to Apple, the Apple Podcast Listening app and leave a rating or review. Drop me an email with a link or actually on any podcast listening app. Send me a link to the review and I'll get your shout-out on the show. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview with Louis. Bonjour, bonjour. Happy to be here. So this is actually quite interesting because the tables were turned about three years ago, I think, where I was interviewed on your podcast, Everyone Hates Marketers. Yes, three years ago, yeah. I was checking that um, literally five minutes ago. Yeah, three years. And, and the... Um, title of the episode i was looking back it's so funny when you go back in time i think it was your newsletter should die yeah that that was what i was talking about at the time um but the 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 reason we're here everybody listening is that there's two core things i think louis has done that are quite interesting the first of which is he's taken a very strong position in the marketing market and everything you've done with the podcast and actually with your previous agency that you run was built around this position. And that position is that a lot of people are rubbish at marketing and uh, people hate, and that has led people to hate marketers. That's the first thing we're going to chat about. The second is your podcast, 100 episodes, has Seth Godin on. Um, I want to work out how how you did that. Um, So I want to talk more about that. But first, Louis, if you could just give us like a, 30 second background uh, to yourself. Sure. So I'm Louis. Uh, I've been in marketing for 10 years now. Um, I've been living in Dublin, Ireland for the last 10 years uh, so that I'm able to speak in, in, in English, even though I'm French. Um, and yeah, four years ago, three years and a half ago, I started to interview people I admired. I had 10 interviews recorded via Skype and I didn't know what to do with them. So I asked around uh, in a Slack group, hey, I have this very strong you know, opinion around marketing and looking for a name. I don't know what to do with it. And people told me I should have a podcast and someone came up with a name. Uh, Everyone has marketers, which I instantly loved. And yeah, three years and a half later, 
160, I think, episodes published. Here we are. Got it. And this is on the side whilst you have a senior marketing role at Hotjar, right? Correct. Yeah. So I've been, um, I have this role thanks to the podcast because I interviewed the CEO of Hotjar three years and a half ago. And on the back of this interview, we, we stayed in touch and he said I should apply to the, to this role. Um, and yeah, I got promoted and now I'm basically, uh, doing a lot of everything in marketing, um, as the most senior person in marketing. Uh, not not in terms of, of seniority level or hierarchy, but more in terms of uh, number of number of years in inside marketing and Roger. Um But yeah, that goes to show you the power of of um, you know talking to people you admire and and not thinking that they are that important or that you know on the on a pedestal. Um, you know what? Yesterday, actually, you talked about Seth Godin. Recently, I I published a new episode of Seth Godin two days ago. Uh, or you know, yesterday, uh, and someone messaged me, someone who who's been listening to the podcast for a while, and he said, "You you don't seem to be scared, or you don't seem to to put Seth Godin or any other guests on a pedestal, uh, which is which is why the interviews are good." And I didn't really realize that, but that's kind of what I'm hoping to do every time is is not to put them on pedestal because I don't think good journalists or good interviewers do that. You know, I don't take anything for granted, and I don't believe what they say. So I always kind of like to dig deeper uh, and question them and challenge them a bit, you know. Got it. Well, well, let me try and do that here then. Uh, First, I mean, that's an amazing story about the podcast. I'm sure the podcast has done incredible things and we're going to get to that. Before, I want to talk about this position. Now, I think you you had this or you were forming this idea pre the podcast, right? Because on your LinkedIn, it talks about an agency that you also mentioned everybody hating marketers. Correct, uh, and I'm I'm giving you the thumbs up uh, the thumbs up on, on on video. Obviously, you can't listen, you can't see that because you're listening to this podcast right now. But as a way for for to to tell Tom that yes, you you got it, um, and exactly what you said, this is exactly right. So it, I didn't come up with a, like a good positioning, a good idea, just all of a sudden. It took years and years to evolve. It started with me just like the way I am as a person. I think I it, it comes back from trying to challenge my mom a lot whenever she was telling me something i always be very contrarian from a very young age and i don't know exactly why but i was my way to express myself and to make people pay attention to me in school with my parents in particular and so this way of thinking which is you tell me that but i'm going to find something wrong with it or i'm going to poke holes into it or i'm going to tell you things as they are straight up uh, because that's who i am like this is kind of been part of my personality for a long time so and then over the years, when I started marketing, got very, very interested into this psychology, understanding people, and why do people do that and not that? Like, why do they do such irrational things? All of that started when I was 18, 19, reading a lot of books on that, including Seth Godin's books. And, um, and over the years, when I, when I got the chance to finally work in marketing, I got pissed off a lot, you know, at the start. I was like, why do we have to do this stupid SEO hack, like trying to build backlinks when people don't want to? And I felt very like weird in a sense. Like I didn't, I couldn't put my, my, my fingers on it, but it was really about feeling like I didn't belong necessarily in this world, like because everyone was being fake and overselling their shit, overselling their, their new methodology, their new hacks, their new thing that no one else um, has ever done before. And that's kind of wasn't me. And it took me years and years and years to like get pissed off enough to actually voice that out. And I think the, 
the moment when things started to shift was when I started to talk about it openly. Before that, I was taking it you know, inside and just not really voicing my opinion because I didn't think people would listen or people would care. It felt like everyone else was thinking another way. But then when I started to talk about it, at the, at the start, I was talking about the dark side of marketing versus the light side of marketing. Uh, so that's how I started to put that out. And you're right. So I, I created an agency six years ago, I think at this stage, that failed two years after because I burned out. Um, and that was the start of actually voicing that opinion, saying that not every piece of marketing needs to be yucky and you don't have to trick people to do what you want them to do to, to generate some good results. And over the years, so I, then I had the luxury to, to start talking to, to experts and people much smarter than me. And that's when I realized, shit, actually, I'm not the only one. In fact, which is weird, every single one of the people I think I've interviewed would agree with this, which is a point I want to make about this position. Um, it feels a bit contrarian. Everyone hates marketers taking a dig at us uh, and our profession. But actually, you wouldn't find anyone disagreeing with it. Like I've yet to find someone sending me an email to say, your podcast is shit. I completely disagree with your vision. So even though it feels contrarian, it's actually not because people seem to agree with it. Here's the caveat though. And here's what I've discovered throughout this work is that everyone believes in good marketing until it's time to reach their targets, right? That's kind of the... Rationally, everyone believes in it, you know? Yeah, makes sense. Emotionally, when it comes to shit, we are like 10 days at the end of the quarter. We haven't reached our quota. We're at 75% of our target. We need to buy an email list. We need to spam the shit out of our people. We need to, you know, like this is when you start losing this sense of good marketing. And so this position is actually not that contrarian. And uh, the name may be a bit uh, out there, but it's not that contrarian overall, I would say. Got it. And the point I was that I wanted to make, I think you kind of answered it already, is that the, the position is obviously true to you and your personality, but it's also a good marketing ploy. And so I've been like, last night I was watching a documentary about Donald Trump. Sometimes oh. he takes opinions. Yeah, we, we're not going to enter politics, but, but sometimes he takes a stance or has an opinion on something that he may or not believe in because it's advantageous for him. This morning I was listening to, listening to 50 Cent's book. He does the same thing. He, he'll like have a beef with someone, not because he actually has a beef with them, but because it's advantageous to him. So my question was going to be, but I think you've already answered it, is that position is advantageous to you because it makes you stand out and it's remarkable. But like, how, how true or congruent is it to you? But I think... The, the answer that you just, get, you just gave should have been after that question. Would you agree? I mean, you're totally right. I think Donald Trump is the best example we can give out uh, today to anyone uh, about this picking an enemy type of psychological tactics. I need to research that more, so I'm not going to bullshit you with the psychology principles I don't know about, but I'm, I, there is a psychological principle behind it where humans, humans think this way, right? We, we are very, we need to kind of, pick a side. It's, it's just, we are made this way. It's in our DNA in a sense. Um, and so you can, once you, once you realize that you see that everywhere, I mean, everywhere. So Trump is the best example. He, he can take anything and disagree with it and pick a side and, and give nicknames. And he's, he's intuitively very good at it because I don't think he's very smart, but at least he's very smart for that. Intuitively good at making enemies, but also making friends. So this was a, a 
a, a conscious a conscious effort. So I didn't have the name, but I very much had the positioning. And you said this magic word a few times: position, positioning. This is incredibly important for anyone listening right now. This is, I personally believe, the most important thing you can do when you start out in marketing, whether you want to grow your business, get a job or whatever. Picking a position that is strong enough so that some people will hate it, some others will love, that will make the people you want to, uh, you seek to serve actually say, shit, this is new, this is, this is different, this is, and actually pay attention to you. And this answer, by the way, is the answer to an, a question you're going to ask me later as well. Um, so absolutely. And, and I think the reason why, like, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you know that this is true. Like we're not teaching you anything new about picking an enemy, like HubSpot picking outbound marketing as, as the enemy. It doesn't have to be a person, um, can be a concept. However, what I think, what I think is happening is again, rationally speaking, you know, this is true. Emotionally though, when it comes to actually making a decision for a campaign, launching a business, launching a new project or whatever else, it's risky, you know? To have messaging this way, like Basecamp, the guys from Basecamp, for example, recently launched Hey.com, their new email marketing service, and they are doing a textbook us versus them position. Uh, take a look at their website, Hey.com, it's incredible. And so it takes some guts to do this, to do it, to do this. And this is my advice to you: is even though rationally you know this needs to be done, take the risk, do it, have those butterflies in your stomach. That makes you feel, oh shit, this is risky. Do it because most people will never do it because it's too risky. And this is what it takes to stand out in marketing today. That's the actionable piece that I was trying to get to as well. That's the one thing to take away from this first part is that first form a belief and then second communicate that belief, even if it is slightly risky, just like Luis Next, let's actually move on to the podcast because the way you have manifested this belief and this position is through the podcast. If, if everyone loves hatesmarketers.com, so go and check that out, everybody. Now, you told the story, you did some interviews because you love chatting to marketers, uh, you formed the brand, then you released the podcast. That was three years ago. Apart from the job thing, what has been the biggest benefit from the podcast? <sighs> I think credibility has been the biggest benefit. So the reason why my past agency failed miserably is because I forgot one of the golden rules and the, 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 the first principles of, of marketing, which is you need people to trust you. And in return, they'll, they'll buy your stuff and they'll give you money for whatever. I think this is the biggest mistake I made. And when I burnt out because I was struggling to make ends meet and I had like four people in my payroll and we were struggling to generate results for our clients. I mean, everything was going wrong. I promised myself, you're not going to start anything, any new business, anything, unless people directly message you for advice, unless people like interview you on, the, on their podcast, unless people like truly believe that you are credible in the industry and then you can start thinking of potentially maybe one day starting something again, you know? And that's the promise I made to myself and something that, again, rationally, kind of everyone knows, no one will disagree with that. But emotionally, when it comes to, oh, I have 20 grand in my bank account, why don't I start a business? What, can, what, what could go wrong? Well, what could go wrong would be that in six months, you burn out the 20 fucking grand. And that a, month, uh, a year and a half later, you burn out yourself. <laughs> so have... Has that point occurred in the last three years where you, you'd have people coming to you 
asking you to be on their podcast. You have people coming to you for advice. Almost every day at this stage. So um, I feel very lucky. I've worked my ass off to be here. Um, I've also invested a lot of money. So what I can tell you is that it's not like vanilla. I'm doing that on the side. It's all like, you know, butterflies and, 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 and whatever. It's actually quite, it's been very difficult to actually maintain a weekly cadence for three years and a half with a very demanding job. I am paying someone to edit my podcast. That's actually my brother. Uh, I'm paying someone to, to do some sort of like admin stuff for me when it comes to writing summaries of the episodes or getting them transcripted. I couldn't do that on my own because I just work eight, nine, 10 hours a day for my full-time job. And then I do that on the side. So it takes probably, I would say between 800 euro and 1000 euro a month of various stuff of me, my own money into this for free, like this, all of those interviews, everything is free. I don't ask anything in return. Got it. So, so we have the 800 to a grand thousand dollars cash required per month. What are we doing on monetization? We don't do anything uh, so far. And I can, I, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll tell you why. Um, I made a bet as well that and, and the, the credibility thing was one thing I promised myself. The other thing was you have the luxury of time. Luxury of time is, is a huge advantage. And what I promised myself is to build a very, very strong brand. Something that I know that if I'm not in the room, people will talk about this podcast positively. And I think the best, best thing I decided to do is not to pollute my podcast with ads of stuff I don't agree with or not to try to sell them shit that I don't 100% believe in. So I've been very afraid of doing that. And tell you what, in Reddit, for example, I think the Reddit is the trump that you can get. And I have a, I search sometimes like whether people mention the name or not. And almost every single time someone in the marketing subreddit asks, uh, what's the best marketing podcast out there? Almost every single time everyone has marketers is, is mentioned. And almost every single time it's the most upvoted comment. And because people no, they can they can promote it because I know I'm not bullshit. I interview people. I don't, you know, I don't take any anything from them, and I also don't try to sell them shit. And so I think this brand stuff is starting to come out, and it's not a tangible benefit. I can't tell you, oh, I'm making money out of it. I'm not, and so it's easy maybe for me to say that. Maybe I'll never make money out of it, but at least I think I've managed to build a brand of people expecting something that is no bullshit. I'm not gonna you know try to trick you or anything. And that has a lot of value. But the second thing is the social experiment. And the last thing was, I promised myself not to put any money behind ads or anything like that. So I don't actually promote it that much. I barely promote it on social. I'm doing it a bit more now. But it's been growing from word of mouth only. All right. So the, the, essentially the strategy is that you're not diluting the message. You're not deflecting or losing any of the attention th through monetization. Like you don't have ads. You do have some affiliate links on the site, right? Um, and the goal there is so that at some point in the future, you can capitalize on that goodwill and that brand to do something else. Yeah, exactly. But I think the attention is one thing, but it's the being afraid of um, having... Um, people starting to, dis to mistrust me or think, oh, he's been preaching this for three years and a half and now look at what he's doing. I'm incredibly afraid of that, right? So 
this is why it's more than attention to me. It's, it's the trust behind it, you know? That makes total sense. But the, I guess my challenge to you would be, do you think that, like, obviously these people that are joining the community, resonating with the message and consuming the content are getting significant value. Do you think that if you could have monetized in some way, let's just say you got 10 grand of sponsorship a year, do you think that you could have then promoted the podcast to a wider audience and therefore added value to more people and, and grown your community that way? Did you ever consciously decide not to do that? Um, or, or do you think that's something you would do in the future? That's an excellent uh, question and a good challenge. So to me, the, the, the trick is that I know that every single people who come to my site, um, subscribe to my lists, reply to me, I haven't kind of forced them to do it. So I know they are much more engaged than, than the average people, right? So my, uh, my, my, my experiment in a sense is that one subscriber of my list is worth maybe 10 subscribers of, of someone else's list that they are being kind of pushed to get into. And same for my listeners. It's only word of mouth. So I know that people talk about it to their friends. They're more likely to trust me because of that. So I feel like the benefit of having this brand throughout, this message throughout, outweighs by long mile market penetration in a sense. And so I want it to, to be organic and I don't want it to be like to go mainstream or anything like that because I want people to generally connect with it when it's their time, when they want to, because again, I have the luxury of time. Um, there is definitely ideas to, I wouldn't say monetized, to be fair with you, Tom, I don't like the word. Um, I, I think there is value to, to bring to this audience beyond interviews that people can pay for, for sure. I have plenty of ideas and I'm, I'm, I'll be definitely working on some. Um, but yeah, for the time being, because I have the, this luxury of time, I think trust for me is the, the one core concept I want to, I care about the most, not market penetration. Sure. And it seems like just from that discussion that possibly the next thing to do or the thing that you might be considering is some kind of premium membership. You have this loyal community that, again, yeah, if you did try to adopt any of the other tactics that podcasters use, like us, for example, may be seen as not aligned with your ESOF. So is that what you're considering or can you not say? No, I can say. I mean, first, I don't want to diss anyone else. You know, it's this is my my view and the way I want to do it. I absolutely love all the podcasts that do sponsorship. I, I dig what you do. I checked out your site and the new stuff you're doing. So I wouldn't be, I'm not like in a, I don't put myself in a pedestal criticizing everyone else far from it. I'm just saying that this is kind of the way I like to do, to, to think about stuff. Um, in, in terms of products, there's plenty of things that could happen. I think what matters to me is that not making the same mistakes I've made in the past where I sold my time through this agency. I struggled to get any good contracts. I struggled to get clients to trust me enough, to pay enough money to implement my stuff. So I think one thing I want to do in the future is not to sell my time anymore and to really find ways to 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 do things without you know being in front of my screen 10 hours a day right so that could be many things right could be a paid community but then i have to think do i really want to manage a community every single day it could be coaching program like in groups it could be individual marketing advisory uh for some companies to help them stand out uh it could be courses with 
um, mastermind type of format. I mean, there's literally hundreds of stuff I could do, but it's the fit be- between the brand that I've built, the skills that I have, the, the, the strength that I have, um, that will matter. Um, I would say in the next few months. So to be completely honest with you, I'm not hundred percent sure what's the next move yet. Yeah, well, I'm super excited to see what that will be. And I also urge anyone lifting to follow Luis to work out. Now, my final question, the one that everyone's been waiting for, how did we get Seth Godin on the show? <laughs> it's, it's so funny because like a lot of people ask me this question, right? And the funny answer is that Seth Godin made me not share how I've done it, right? Like, I'm serious. He actually sent me an email to say, don't do it. But I'm going to tell you because it's not fucking difficult. The answer to this question is the answer I gave you a few minutes ago about positioning. I think in retrospect and with the benefit of hindsight, what happened was because I picked a positioning that was very polarizing with like picking a strong enemy and not being afraid to like leave people on the sideline, I managed to get some good guests on board straight away. Folks who actually believe in what I believe right? The psychographics are crazy important. It's not about demographics and their age and their role. Who Nobody cares about that. It's about their beliefs. And I managed to get Seth Godin on because we believe the same thing. And I think he just liked this idea. So he said, yes, the way to contact him is simple. It's on his website. It's just, he has an email address. You can just contact him. But this is the benefit of a strong packaging, a strong positioning, a strong point of view, taking a risk is that you will get some people who love what you do and others who hate what you do. And I think I've been lucky because the luck is a big, big parameter in there. Uh, probably emailed him at the right time on the right day to have him on board. Um, but I think, again, in hindsight, the reason why I got him on board is purely because of the, the strong positioning from the very start. And I love that we were able to tie that theme, probably the most important theme from this episode, back around at the end. And I totally agree. If you do choose that polarizing position, yes, that may push some people away, but you'll also be much more magnetic to other people. And it seems that your position was magnetic to Seth because I I know few other people that have managed to persuade him to do that. So, Lewis, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for being so honest and sharing your strategy and your plans for the future. Um, And I've really enjoyed the conversation. You're welcome. Uh, thanks for what you're doing as well to put yourself out there and, and your new site and your new project. Uh, it's also exciting to see what you're what you're doing. You always seem to be doing new stuff. So well done you. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Everyone, hatesmarketers.com. Go there, check out the position and also follow, see what Lewis is going to do in the next few months. <laughs> you big tease. Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion. I mean, I'm super glad we had Louis on. What he's done with the Everyone Hates Marketers community is pretty awesome. But one thing is that I'm pretty astounded that he's managed to hold off on monetization. I guess we have slightly different views on that. I'm like pro monetization, as maybe you've guessed from some of the stats you've heard from SaaS Market or some of the stuff I've shared on this podcast. We look to monetize wherever we can without influencing or impacting the user experience of the community too much. And so in that vein, just in the last two and a half weeks, we've been testing a completely new strategy that I want to quickly share with you. I'm actually touting it as the future of community monetization. Now, any community owner 
understands the power of referring community members to preferred suppliers in exchange for a commission. This is called affiliate marketing. Most communities either should follow this. It's a super kind of pain-free way of getting rewarded for aggregating attention and being influential in a specific niche. And so we have had affiliate links on the site. We've generated a few thousand dollars over the past year from affiliate links. Now, the challenge with the content that we are writing is it isn't totally, like it's not perfectly suited to affiliate marketing. The, the most profitable affiliate marketing content to create in this niche is normally reviewing, let's say, all of the top 18 email autoresponders. If you create a big post like that and then you rank for top email marketing autoresponders, you can drive a lot of affiliate traffic. This is how most bloggers make their income. The problem is that Yes, that content is valuable because it ranks. People like to see that. People like to review that before making their purchasing decisions. It's not really what we're trying to do here as SaaS marketer. And therefore, we can put affiliate links in our case studies, but you're not looking to buy videos. For example, the case study last week, we have videos affiliate links in that case study, but we're not going to rank for the term videos review. And if you're reading that case study, you're not necessarily interested in buying videos. You may read the case study, learn about the product and buy, and therefore we get the commission. But you're not, we're not kind of inserting the content into the buyer's journey like most affiliate bloggers or community owners do with their content. And so that's the challenge is that we've never really got affiliate marketing to work because they're not in that buyer's journey. And so I came up with the idea. I actually don't know how it happened. I think maybe it was on a run or in the shower or something. And I thought we have many awesome people in the community that in the relatively early stage of their marketing SaaS B2B career. And so what if we could take these people, understand what they do and offer a, a relatively good deal for their services to the rest of the community? And our incentive for doing that would be to take a commission on, on that offer. And so I went out to the community, wrote a post, kind of explained my ideas, and then got a really, really good response. And so just, two, just over two weeks ago, we launched our first deal, our first offer. And the offer was for really just a database of growth tactics that uh, someone from the community called Casper had created. And so normally this was available online for $79. I negotiated with, with Casper and we, we created an offer that was $10 less. So we offered it for $69. We agreed on a commission. SaaS marketer would be taking 40% of that revenue. Casper would be taking the remaining 60. And then I we, we simply wrote up a kind of sales email, wrote up a sales article, posted the article on the blog, sent the sales email to the whole community on the Thursday at 10 a.m. And then we ended up, and I have the figures right here in front of me, but we, we, we basically had 25 of these offers to give. And because I didn't close in time, we actually ended up selling 26. And this generated in commission for SaaS marketing is $886.66. And so... That's 40%. So 60% would be around just over $1,000 that we gave to Casper. And so this was an incredible kind of experience because we're obviously adding value to Casper. He, he's got some revenue to help build out his database. We're adding value to us because we were able to command some, some commission. Yes, we did have to spend quite a bit of time finding the deal, doing the marketing for the deal. But I guess that's kind of what we're getting paid for and also having the audience, of course. 
But the super interesting thing is, obviously on every email I'm sending into the community, I'm looking at the open rate, the click-through rate, the unsubscribe rate. And actually this email had a lower unsubscribe rate than the normal content emails that we sent. And it actually had a higher click-through rate than the podcast email that we sent the week before. So I have the stats in front of me here. So two weeks ago, or the last podcast episode we released, we sent the email, it got a 41.48% open rate, and it got a 4.58% click-through rate. And so that, that was on the Tuesday, 16th of June. On Thursday, the 18th of June, we sent this email, again, to the whole community advertising the deal. The open rate was slightly lower, with 38.48%, but the click-through rate was higher. And the unsubscribe rate actually now is exactly the same as that podcast email. And so therefore, I think we've kind of stumbled across the sweet spot for our affiliate marketing uh, kind of revenue stream. We're able to help people in the community. We're able to bring offers to valuable products. And then we're also able to take a commission. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. We released another one this week, which is currently in progress. And this for, was for a, a website tracking SaaS tool by a gentleman named Timothy. That is actually still open. And so if you go to sasmarketer.io forward slash D2, you will be able to check that out. So how do we promote this deal? We obviously, I think the majority of the sales would have come from that email that we send on the Thursday. Uh, we also did some social posts. We also posted it in the Facebook group. And I also inserted a dynamic kind of advertisement in the front of every podcast episode from last Thursday to Monday when the deal was open. And that probably did generate a couple of sales as well. So I just wanted to share that with you. And if you have a community or if you have some kind of audience, maybe that is an avenue for a monetization. Instead of writing these kind of watered down long blog posts that no one really likes, maybe you could go into the community, find people's products and negotiate a deal and then advertise that to the rest of the community, taking a commission for yourself and ultimately bringing the community together. I mean, a, a big thing that a a community needs or a group of people need, A, is a common enemy, as we just spoke about with Louis, but B, also a way to communicate with each other. That's why tribes of people will often start to say specific words or specific languages form. And then another thing is also currency. They, they need a means to transact. And therefore, you, by creating this deal, by bringing up people in the community and allowing people to tra transact together, is actually making the community stronger. And so that's what I wanted to finish with. That's what I wanted to share. I hope that adds value to anybody running a community. I do have some super exciting news. There's basically two announcements I can't really say yet. One I can say next week, and this is to do with our agency and specifically how it's growing. And then we have another announcement that I will be able to share in not the next podcast episode, but the following podcast episode. And sorry to tease Sorry to, to not share all these now, but I really can't, but I'm super excited to share them with you. So I want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, the, the downloads for this podcast are growing month on month very significantly. I get great feedback from people in the community saying how, how the podcast is helping them and how it's a little bit different from the normal marketing or interview podcast. And, and that's exactly what we're trying to do. So I want to thank you so much for your attention here. I want to thank you for listening. I hope this episode was valuable. And of course, if you're able, 
to share your feedback on any podcast listening app. Simply just rate, review, send me a link or a screenshot to the review and I'll get you a shout out on the show. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>